Hello, welcome to How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I am your host, Rebecca Lee, and in this episode, I chat with Shane Carpenter. Now, Shane is a multifaceted human being. He is an actor. He is a curator of Restless Nights, which is a nightlife guide and ticketing platform um, for Los Angeles, and he's the co-founder of ITKLA, which is an events blog. Shane has been doing this for a while. He goes to tons and tons of events and I talk with him a lot about networking because it's something that I'm very bad at and he is very wonderful at. Um, And it it feels like the root of networking is really just doing things that you want to do, not because you need to do them. Connecting with those you want to connect with, going to events you want to go to. And that, that was challenging for me to accept because I feel like Networking can seem so phony, but it doesn't have to be, is what Shane taught me. We also talk about what to do when there are doors shut on you. And I think the overall theme of this episode is non-attachment and and reveling in the process instead of the results. So without further ado, uh, this is How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Shane Carpenter. Hi, Shane. Thank you so much um, for chatting with me. I'm so sorry that I made you download Zoom. I already feel like a bad host because you didn't have it on your computer. Uh, So I apologize. But thank you for joining me nonetheless. Thank you for having me. Let's get into it, right? (laughs) Let's get into it. Okay. Is there a low point, a challenge, um, a low season, a struggle in your life that you're most proud of overcoming and can you talk to us about it a little bit yeah absolutely so it wasn't so much a a low point as it was just this point of my life being like a barren landscape of like nothingness and kind of just deciding what I wanted to fill that landscape with if that makes sense Um, shortly after college and I think a lot of my friends you know were starting careers that they went to college for um, or, you know, getting married or wanting to have kids. And I kind of like was none of those in none of those states of mind. Um, and I was kind of always between, you know, going to art school um, or, you know, just regular four year. And I decided to go to a regular four year college and get a psychology degree. And afterwards, you know, I started a master's program for marriage and family therapy. But in in class, I was just thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm at this point in my life right now. Like I want to do something different, but I really didn't know what exactly that was. And, but I I knew that I always had like art, you know, in my soul and just like the community, like art community and art. And I never really grew up around artists. Although I, you know, I took art class. I I just didn't, it wasn't like an art, an art community per se. Um, Where did you grow up? um, In the, in the, in the Inland Empire. So like right kind of where LA County ends uh, in Claremont. so I was like, you know, maybe I just want to go do that, you know, try to find the communities and try to immerse myself in art for a couple of years, because I could always, at that point, I could always go back to grad school. It wasn't like, you know, there was a time limit on that. Um, so, you know, I decided to just go in that direction. I just wanted to fill my life with things that I was interested in doing and people that I was interested in kind of being around. I think when you're in college, you're around a lot of people who are in college. So you feel that school spirit or just that educational spirit but I kind of wanted to feel the artistic spirit and the artistic community spirit so um luckily I had a few friends uh from my hometown that were in bands and they they were in the band their bands were pretty good so there was a small collective of people who I knew who I could reach out to and they they were part of some local shows and they eventually started playing shows in LA and um one of my other friends I grew up with he worked with someone who lived in Long Beach and he was a DJ. And so he, he was like, Hey, you should meet my, my coworker because you, you, I think you listen to a lot of the same music and um, his wife, well, what is now his wife, she lived in LA and they lived in the arts district. And so they invited me to some parties. Um, and then my friends who were from my area started to become more active in the LA scene. So I just started going to as many shows as I could and meeting as many people out in LA as I could. And I really didn't, in the beginning, it was more difficult because I really didn't have anything to offer as a creative person. Like I wasn't a musician or a photographer or anything. And um, I didn't know if like people in the city would accept me as somebody who didn't have any discernible art skill or like mm. who, everybody was so good and so talented that I was meeting and running into. And I think in that 
since it was kind of intimidating in the beginning. Um, and I, I guess it was interesting because when I was out there, you know, I met people and they were like, oh, well, let's find you something to do. Let's find you a craft to pursue and follow. People were very supportive. And I eventually just started going to a lot of events on my own um, and meeting people and meeting all the bands and meeting the hosts of the shows. And it was always exciting for me to go to a new venue and some weird um, part of the city that I'd never been in or some sketchy part um, that really wasn't sketchy when I went there. But you just never really know about certain areas of L.A. until you're comfortable or familiar with them. Totally. Um, so, yeah, I just I went out a lot um, and you know, I uh, created this Facebook group, you know, obviously back when Facebook was a lot more popular and it was called LA Fun, spelled P-H-U-N. And um, at the time, you know, I, I think if I knew how big it was going to get, I, I would have come up with a better name, but I just- I like that name. <laughs> yeah, adding them and adding them on Facebook and then putting them in the group and just trying to get them to post their events in the group of like LA events, like LA concerts. And eventually- you know, people did started start doing that, but I kind of had to like model the group. So I started posting events, like just so I could get people to post their events. And um, then I started kind of like getting friended by like a lot of people in the scene. And and a lot of people thought I was like the LA fun guy. Like I was the guy who was giving everybody all this information when I was the one looking for the information. But I did start getting the information. And then um, I was approached by LA Record to do their events calendar. Uh, and then I met people who... We're like, hey, do you want to start booking shows? Um, who I was working with on helping them promote. And so I started booking shows. I started presenting shows, started DJing shows. It was really crazy. I never really imagined any of that happening. Um, and then I created a collective and we did like hundreds of shows. We did like Make Music Pasadena a few years, like Echo Park Rising, Venice Music Crawl, a lot of like official and DIY stages. And I think we booked a show at every venue on the east side of LA, um, multiple shows actually. Um, so it was interesting because, you know, I, I just wanted to pursue something and just, just to be an observer, not even necessarily to be a participant. Um, and I started, a lot of people just kept asking me, oh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And I just kept saying yes to everything. And um, I gained a lot of experience. I made a lot of friends. I mean, all the people I know, most of the people I know were, were from that early part of my time in LA um, when I was kind of just getting started and, you know, booking a lot of bands. Um, and that's kind of like where this rumor or not this rumor, but this idea comes that I'm like a man about town because it's like, I've always been a person who's at like every event. Um, or, you know, even now, if I'm at an event, people will ask me, is this your event? Because people are so used to me having done so many events. And yeah. You know, I do help promote events still, although I don't, I very rarely like curate the entire event. Um, but, you know, kind of like along the way, you know, I did become a photographer. People knew me as a photographer um, and I got hired to do, to shoot parties and things. Although I never really wanted to be that, I never wanted that to be the thing I was known for. I think I wanted to be known more as somebody who was a really big community supporter of like live art and live performance more than just this person who does this one thing at the, at the thing that I really care about, you know? So I was like careful to just not really associate myself too much with one professional um, uh, role, I guess, you know, and I think kind of through booking music um, and working on music stuff, um, I met my, my acting manager and uh, got involved in acting and act I've acted in over 40 projects and, you know, a lot of, those projects all came because of my relationship in music. It's like a lot of my first jobs that I booked were music videos with like really big artists, um, recognize the people that would obviously you'd recognize their names or the people that worked on those or directed the videos. Um, so like, you know, my early resume was all things that were connected to music and then that got me in the acting door. Um, yeah. What I think is so cool about that entire story is like the origin story is that like you were like I don't see what I want here so I'm gonna make it instead like when you created LA fun being yeah. like well you know I don't have a place to go to to like look at the events I want to see so like I'll just create it which I think is like it's like a rare thing where people fill a void that is there because I feel like most people are like well it doesn't exist so I guess it's just not going to exist because I'm not going to do it. 
But like the fact that you like stepped up and you're like, no, I'm going to create it, I think is like super, super cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, it, I think it's interesting. I think one of them, I've created like a handful of things in LA that have all become, you know, moderately successful or at least recognizable in the community and people know about them. And it's always interesting to have an idea and then you create it. And I think people, you know, around you are kind of observing you to see if you're going to stick with it and if you're going to like stick to it and grow it and build it. Because, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to even take that initial step to create something yeah. and have, have it become something because you really don't know what it's going to become and how far it's going to take, how far it's going to go or how much work it's going to take you. And, you know, I, I think one of the most difficult things for me to, to answer in LA is a lot of people, you know, were like, what, like, what's it all for? Like, what are you doing this for? <laughs> like, what, what's the goal? And, you know, I really never had goals. I, I think people are so surprised to hear that, but I feel like goals in a, in a sense are very limiting. Cause it's like, you have a goal, you achieve it. And then you're like, okay, now what? I, I think everything is so much more interesting when it's just open and it's just more about what you're experiencing and the skills you're developing and the relationships you're making along the way, rather than just being focused on this like ultimate goal. Because I, I feel like, you know, if you get burnt out or bored of the goal, then you kind of lose everything else with it. But but if you kind of focus more on like the small gains and like the the gold and the diamonds that you're mining along the way and the like in the forms of experiences and people, then I feel like that thing can just keep going and be fulfilling for as long as you want it to be. Rather than being like, well, I didn't achieve this one thing, therefore it's a failure or I'm a failure or it's not what it's cracked up to be. So I just kind of felt like I was always driven by, oh, this thing feels like the right thing to do. And even when, it, you know, I wasn't achieving the kind of results that I wanted with that thing in the in the time span that I wanted, I really was never concerned with that as long as I felt like it's something that I should be doing. You know, it's like we recently launched a blog um, for LA events. And um, it, it's because I still wanted to be involved in the music scene and help people and support and help people find events. Um, you know, we we launched a blog called ITK.LA, which stands for In The Know. And it was like a collaboration between me and a lot of local promoters. And, you know, we launched it and it did really well the first year in terms of like people finding out about it, submitting events to us, people finding things. We had a, we had a lot of um, hits consistently. And then the pandemic happened. And it was like, you know, oh, no, well, nobody's going to events. And it's just like we lost kind of like that, a lot of our audience, a lot of momentum. But I was like, you know, I still want to build it because it just still feels like something that I want to do. Even though I'm not hitting these metrics that I wanted in the beginning or was hitting in the beginning, it's really not about that. It's not like, well, I'm not getting X amount of hits or it's not monetizing at this rate. So therefore, I'm not interested. It's like, it's not really about that. You know, like I, I have a lot of people who approach me and they consistently thank me for the site and how many great events they find or that somebody's doing that. And I think to me, that's kind of like what it's more about than like having these specific goals of like, I want to make money doing this, or I want this outcome because like, I don't know if you really, you know, that might be a great thing for your ego and a personal thing that you want to accomplish. I just don't think it's really, that's not what the community's getting from it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's always about you. It's about maybe you're just the vessel through which things flow for the community. And I, I kind of feel like I've always been that person, you know, yeah. not so yeah. much that it's me, but what I'm capable of doing for everybody else, just with my vision and my state of mind. Well, it's kind of like counterintuitive to like, if you think about it, when you're talking about like art and artists in general in that community, having like a results oriented approach versus like a process oriented approach, because art is so subjective that like having these like uh binary like um metrics of like what success is and what it isn't it like doesn't even really make sense in the art space but then it's also like you're in LA people have to make money so how do you like balance those two things even just like in your brain or in the planning process of being like okay well I can't be attached to the results of this but also I have to make money or I have to make money for this venue or this band or whatever. Like, how do you balance those two things? I think like in the beginning, well, you know, I, I was very fortunate to um, be able to um, have a dad who had a business. Um, it was a pawn shop 
and um he my dad he was a, like he pursued acting when he was younger and he he loved the arts i mean he wasn't really an artist himself but i feel like he vicariously lived his art life through me in some ways so it's like i had to work it i've worked a day job like you know pretty much the entire time of the 15 years that i've been going to la but it was like a 9 30 to 5 30 thing and the minute work was over i could just go to la it wasn't like i had things to do after work um, and I was able to pers I was able to make money that way and not have to rely on art to make money. So I was very fortunate. And then, you know, when I had a lot of acting jobs, I was able to just take off work whenever I wanted to go act, which is very difficult if you're trying to pursue any sort of career or if you have a no job is just going to let you take off for a week or three days or whatever in the middle of a in the middle of the month to just go do acting. So, um, you know, I was lucky I, I couldn't have done anything without the privilege that I had. <laughs> and I'm like very aware of that. Um, but I felt like, you know, if I do have this privilege and I am allowed to take off time to pursue art and I have money to pursue art where money's not a thing I have to really, would I like to make money? Yes, but it's not the deciding factor of whether I'm going to pursue art or not, where unfortunately it is that way for a lot of people. But for me, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that, but I felt like to make the most use of my privilege was to give back to the community in the way that I did was to have free shows, was to run a free, run a website where I didn't make money was to like literally pass it down, like pass it along. The privilege that I got passed along that privilege or that freedom and that ability to other people to help them with what they were doing, you know, to pay a sound guy to have good sound, even though the show was free, like literally just do whatever I could to just pay it forward. Because, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, people were like, oh, Shane, you do so much for the community and the scene like you'll get it back one day it's like i don't know it's it's funny because i was never like when am i going to get it back i was never in that state of mind i mean if i was i would have quit like 11 years ago you know what i mean but yeah i have i have got it back um you know i made a good amount of money through acting um but more than that like through my relationships and through my life experiences and through my friends and just through my ability to like any day of the week, go to, you know, I can go to three or four venues and know people at every show. And even if I don't know people, I can meet people like very easily because of how long I've been involved in this community. And I think when I was like younger, when I was in high school, um, I, I, I went to this high school where there, there was like a lot of like underage raves, like just not like illegal, like not like necessarily legal raves, but a lot of like high schools through these like dance parties and they had really cool flyers. Um, and I used to just collect all the flyers. And it was like having all the art for the flyers was so interesting to me. And just knowing about that, that community and knowing what people were doing outside of school, you know? And as an adult, it's just like, it's just an extension of that. Like I just, instead of collecting the flyers, like I would have my own flyers created with my name on them. And it just was like this continuation. Um, and it, it was something that it was never really about oh, like, what is this going to do for me? Because it was always in here ever since a young age, you know, it was always, it was always there. Um, and so I feel like in that way, it's always been kind of like giving back to me. I feel like even when things in my life aren't going well, there's always, I can always just go out to the city and go to a show and like reconnect and have that be positive for me at least. Mm -hmm. Where did you like cultivate this mentality of like, well, I'm not really doing it for me, I'm doing it like for the community. Like I, how you're saying, like, I never was really like, Oh, when, when is my turn? When will I get this? And I, I just wanted to create this community. Like, how did you do, was that something you developed in childhood? Yeah. I don't know. I always felt like I was everybody else's biggest cheerleader, you know, <laughs> like I, I never felt like a competitive spirit about anything. I, I think being involved in the arts, I, I've seen the competitive spirit kind of like in people and in a way that I felt was kind of cringy in a way that I've never thought about things like, Oh, well that person doesn't come to my show. So I'm not going to go to theirs. And mm. I've never been in this, like, I've never been in that state of mind. I've always been like, if I, I, I'll book a show for somebody and I don't care if they ever come to my shows. Yeah. I'm not doing it so they can like pay it back to me. Like that's, I'm just doing it because I respect them or love their music or want to see them. And I'm, you know, um grateful that they would even get on a stage if I asked them to like that's it's more about that than like well if I do this then I want this it's like I don't really have this like tit for tat or like back and forth mm. kind of thing going on with my relationship with art and you know maybe that makes me crazy and I'm sure my dad who was more of a business person <laughs> thought it was crazy 
but I, I feel like, you know, there's different ways of being compensated. It's not, you know, you can't put a price on community. You can't put a price on the connections you make with people. And um, also, you know, I, there's this quote, it's like, you haven't truly lived until you've done something for somebody who could never pay you back. I really, I really love that quote. I think about it all the time because, you know, in LA, there's a handful of people who've done that for me. Um, and I, I wouldn't even be having this conversation with you if I didn't meet those people. Because I, I know in the beginning, you know, I, I asked people if I could, you know, book a show or like bring a band on a show. And people were like, uh, you know, no, like don't mess up with my ecosystem. And then <laughs> it was just hard, you know, it's hard when you're getting a lot of doors shut and you just want to do something and, and people don't really get that feeling from you or want to work with you or give you a shot. I, like, I know what that feels like. I, I feel like I wanted to just do things where I could feel like I could give everybody a shot um, and, you know, connect everybody to everybody and have everybody be friends and support each other. I feel like that's what I try to live on a daily basis, you know, mm -hmm. um, just trying to like foster community, cultivate community. Um, did your parent like, is that something your parents, I know you said your dad was a business person, but like, is that something that anyone in your family or anybody that you grew up with, like passed down to you? Well, I mean, my mom and my grandma, they were like very community oriented. Um, but you know, we didn't really know each other in the social sense, but I think, you know, ever since I was like really young, um, I just, I had a lot of friends in school and I had, when my friends went to different high schools, like I had friends in all different high schools and I was going to all different high school parties. It was like really just my adult life is just this like glow up of like my high school. It's just like, you know, I, I just felt like when I wanted to go to LA, I was like, well, I've done all of these things on this smaller level in the area that I live in, but I want to do them on a much, I'm interested to see if I could do them on a much bigger level, like in a giant city, like, um, and I, I really didn't know LA. Like I wanted to know LA. I wanted to know how to get around and know all the streets. It was like, that might sound weird, but I, I like live so close to it yet so far, you know, I, mm -hmm. I wanted to like know all the shortcuts and where everything was and feel, have everything feel familiar and comfortable. And I, I felt like every time I went somewhere new, I was just illuminating this part of the map of the city that I didn't know. And that was one more area that I became familiar with um, or one more group of people. I think in LA, it's like, you know, different music scenes and different styles they kind of cultivate in these specific areas and sometimes people like get out of them a little bit and branch out but a lot of times they kind of stay very secluded and i feel like if you're somebody who's kind of like free completely free of any attachment to any of them you can just drift all over like you can just drift all the time and just go to everything um and like i said i was that way as a child i mean i'm that way as an adult so it was just something that was kind of like naturally in me it wasn't something that i really had to had to to find i think the only difficult thing about it was you know when you grow up in a support system where you have like friends from your junior high that go to your high school or college or you know you you kind of met you have these like built-in friendships and you know i was so used to doing everything with other people you know and i think the biggest one of the biggest obstacles i overcame was starting to do everything on my own so in la like i didn't have people that i could just take with me to la all the time and go do all the things i wanted to do especially when it was events that i knew nobody at or i just knew i had an address it wasn't like i had friends there or i wasn't going to meet friends so to me that was the biggest obstacle was just getting out of the rhythm of always being with somebody to just always being alone and going to meet people on my own but then i had discovered that it's much easier to meet people when you're on your own um because you're not like worrying about your friend if they're having a good time or if they want to leave early or like they're I don't know, sometimes people can hold you back in that way. And it's easy, you know, I, w I was more easily approached on my own than when I was with people. So mm -hmm. I kind of realized like, hey, you know, any day I could, I could go to three, four events a day. I could go to like, however many events I can physically fit in, in the geography of where I'm going. And so, you know, there were days when I would go to two or three events a night. It really just depended on the event. Um, if there was a band I really wanted to see, or if there was somebody I met and I wanted to, um, have a stronger relationship with them. Maybe I wanted to book their band on my show. It was a lot of, you know, I kind of felt like shows and parties were just the golf course of the entertainment world. It's like, you have to be out there. Like if yeah. knowing about those things is not enough, you have to be there, you know, and you, people can sense why you're there. If it's for something or if it, you just genuinely love what it is that you're doing. 
Yeah, that's something that I've had to come to terms with, like as an artist is like you have to go out. (laughs) You have to go outside. Like if it were up to me, I would be like, you know, making things or writing or like working on a project or something. But like going out to events is something that's really hard for me as an introvert. Um, Are you are you an extrovert or an introvert? I feel like I'm an introverted extrovert. I feel like I do like I do accumulate energy when I'm out like but I don't necessarily have to engage like I can go out and just keep to myself and be alone and that's enough for me. Like if people want to like if people want to engage that's cool like I can handle it but I don't go out with the sole reason to engage. I go out to just support and observe and like be part of what's happening. I think you know um I wrote this I was interviewed by Los Angelino about when the pandemic happened about how I wasn't able to go out and how I was coping with it. But I I understand why people felt like I needed the social connectedness. And that is important to me. Like, don't get me wrong. But what I really missed was just being like entertained. Like I I could be at a show with four people and that's all I, I didn't care how many people were going to be there or like how lit it was. I just, if I wanted to go see something, that's all that mattered, you know? And I feel like the other stuff, sorts itself out on its own, like who I run into, whatever. I'm not really concerned with who's going, who's going to meet me. That's like, those are the last things on my mind. It's just like, you know, when I look at my event calendar, I'm like, what do I want to do today? Or like, what do I feel strongly about? Because I don't necessarily go out just for the sake of going out. I mean, it, it might seem like that to people, but it's very intentional and purposeful. Purposeful. What I, I have this like internal, you know, compass and it's like, you should go to this or you should go to this. Or if like two or three people hit me up about the same event and those people don't know each other, like I pay special attention to that. Like I'll go to that event. I feel like the universe is kind of reaching out, you know? Um, but I I think recently, like two weeks ago, I was out like 10 out of 12 days in a row. Um, and I have to drive like 40 minutes into the city and 40 minutes back. And I was good. I was going to sometimes two or three events a day in that span. And I really didn't hit a wall until I stopped going out. It was like when I stopped that I became tired. But like when I'm out, I just kind of accumulate energy and I'm like good. And then when I'm home for a couple of days, then I crash. Mm. Um, but I could be at home and feeling like oh, I could just stay home. But the minute I like get in my car and get somewhere, I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm good. It's just I realized in going out that the hardest part is thinking about going out. Once you're like out, it's like, you know, I'm fine. Once I'm out, I'm fine. It's just the process of like getting there. Yeah. It's always about like the first step to like get started, whether it's like going out or a project or a show or whatever. It's like you think about it and that's the heart. The first step is always like the hardest. Then you start doing it and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, This is, I get this. Uh, Have you, are you like good at networking? Would you say? Um, yeah. I mean, I think I have a really good idea about networking. I mean, for sure. Or like, you know, making friends or you you seem like, you seem like you're really good at networking, but also you're not like fake. Like, I feel like there's a, there's a version of networking that is just like, you kind of touched on it, like a tit for tat kind of thing, or it doesn't feel genuine. The the connection itself. Do you ever run into people like that? And how do you deal with it? If you do? Oh yeah. I'll never forget this one time I was at I was at like the bootleg theater when it was the, at the bootleg theater and I forgot what friend introduced me to his friend and he was just like, oh, you sh- this is Shane. You should know him. He's like um, involved in the music scene. He's like, in the, whatever he, you know, whatever he's prefaced me to this person. And um, he like pulled out his phone to start to get my contact information or whatever. And he's like, oh, what kind of music um, are, do you primarily go and see? And I'm like, oh, you know, like guitar based, like rock, things like that. And I watched him like slowly put his phone away and he was like, oh, I, I work in R&B and hip hop. And I was like, okay, like, you know, like that doesn't mean that I don't want to get to know you or I don't, it's just like, or it's weird though. It's like that person felt like they couldn't utilize me in the way that they wanted to. And I, I felt like that was so weird, you know, because it, it's not really about like what you do specifically, like people can offer so much. Like, I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's weird to like, just shut a connection down before it even gets started. But like, I kind of recognize that. And I was like, well, if that person is going to be that way, like then, you know, you could tell that that person lost interest in the conversation and wasn't concerned anymore because I wasn't working in the realm that they were working in. Mm -hmm. Or for me, you know, 
I'm not like, well, I'm an actor, so I only want to see acting or like comedy or like, I, I don't go to network with anything thinking that that's, that it's going to be advantageous for me to network there. I just go with the intention of meeting people and just connecting, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have had people, you know, want to get to know me for whatever reason, or maybe just to have me, you know, book their band or like book, promote their show or whatever. And that's fine. You know, maybe, maybe a real connection will come from that you know, who knows, but I, I don't want to be the person that's going to judge that either. I'll let them kind of like figure out what they want to do with it. Yeah. I think networking is also hard for me because like I, I have a hard time like asking for things, even yeah. if, I'm, even if like, I know that it's like a good show or whatever that I'm working on is good. I feel weird asking for things. And I feel like I'm like, Oh, well, I don't want them to think that I just want to talk with them for this specific reason because that's not it at all so then I I end up like not talking about career at all I only like talk about the personal stuff and it's it's just so hard for me to balance that yeah I I definitely feel like the most difficult part of networking and like making friends is that you you do your best to try to like show people in the way that you can where you're at with that conversation and why you want their contact information and they're still going to interpret it in their own way. And I think that's the most frustrating part. I think it's unfair a lot of times because I'll meet somebody and, you know, it's not even, or like a girl and it's not even necessarily romantic, but I feel like because of the experiences that women have meeting people, it it gets interpreted that way. When I'm just like, I just, I'm just trying to make a friend and find like like like-minded people and, and introduce people to culture and arts. And sometimes I will come up with that where it's like, I don't want to have to preface every interaction with like, hey, I'm not asking you on a date. Yeah. I'm not trying to date you. I just want to let you know, there's like this really cool concert I think you would enjoy. And I think, you know, so it, I think the easiest way to, to meet people is, it's just like, you know, hi, like, you know, what is your name? What do you do? And then if they're a musician following them and then letting, you know, I let people know about my blog and then invite them to something. And if, if I don't feel like if there's reciprocation, I'm just like, I'll just walk away from it because I don't want to be annoying. And second of all, like people, people know you're there. Maybe they're just not in a place in their life where they can even be ready or can accept your friendship or accept what you're offering them. It's Mm -hmm. not always so much about what you're trying to get. It could just be about what capacity they have to even give, you know, I feel like there's so many things to constantly think about. I feel like the people that I've become closest with in LA are not people that I've like coordinated with. It's just people that I end up at the same place at again and again and again. And mm. our relationship is formed that way more than I've never been a person who meets somebody and is really trying to coordinate a lot with them because that takes me off my own rhythm. It's like, I might send them a couple in, I might send them a couple events and be like, this is really cool. If you're free, you should come. But I, I kind of feel like if I do that and they don't show up or they don't res- respond to it, then I'm, I don't have time to just like keep trying to nurture that, you know, like I might reconnect with them later on, but it's really about just kind of sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll feel like my life gets a little too planned where I'm like planning with people. And then my life kind of becomes, it, it gets, it goes off the tracks, you know? And then when I get back to like, just doing what I want to do, then the people that I want to see end up in the places that I'm at, <laughs> you know? And yeah, my life moves so much more smoothly in that way when I'm just like out and then meeting people who are at the place that I'm already at. And then my friendships, those friendships become deeper and richer than the people who yeah, I can meet somebody and try to become their friend. I feel like that's a much harder method to to building rapport and, and creating a bond with somebody. Yeah. It's also, you touched on this a little bit. of It's kind of like not taking it personally because you don't know like where that person's at in their life at that moment. And it like truly, they just might not have the capacity to connect with you in the way that you want in that specific moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's really important to to like demystify situations because I feel like sometimes people, they're just like, why me? Like, why do you want to get to know me? Like, I get it. Like, I ask myself that question too when people approach me and like, like, it's just a normal part of being a a person, you know, a human or being out. It's like, you kind of do want to know, you you do want to have an idea about why somebody wants to get to know you or like, you want to kind of demystify that situation for yourself. So, you know, sometimes I will, or I try to, I think it helps when you're like, I have a blog for events or like I book shows or like I'm out a lot or like I'm mm. a, you give people this like context, right? When there's no context, it's like really weird. It's like, well, 
okay like who are who are you why do you want to know me you know yeah um, you have that convert that initial conversation is kind of big to see like if there's enough there to like have that connection go further than that initial conversation yeah totally I feel like you have a really good relationship with like attachment with anything like with um the result of a show or a relationship it's like you're you have this like non-attachment which I think is like one of the keys to life like I've heard it so many times being like oh the the key to like not being anxious or depressed is like practicing non-attachment and just like radical acceptance yeah yeah I mean I definitely yeah I mean that's that's kind of how I've 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 done everything I mean even when I booked shows like I never even cared about how many Facebook followers or likes I was just like if the show feels good I'll run it and you know I used to kind of I would have to, my, my, my partner at the time, I would always tell him like, don't worry about how many people are going to come and when they're going to come. If you book a show that you feel good about, just, just that's enough. You know what I mean? It's not so always so hard a- for people to feel that way though. It, it is. And people thought probably I'm probably a misfit and people think I'm crazy to like, not think about those other things, but I'm telling you, like, I've never thought about these metrics and variables. I don't know. They're, they're, I'm just like, well, I have a good feeling about this or a bad feeling. It's just kind of like, you know, sometimes you have no feeling and, you know, you just got to take a shot, whatever. But, you know, you have to follow the good the good feelings and the bad feelings. I feel like if you feel good about something that, you know, that that's kind of enough. I, I kind of feel like, you know, you can't, I've always been like, you can't get too preoccupied with outcomes of anything like friendship, shows, relationships, because you can become so preoccupied that you lock yourself into something that's really not that great for you and you miss all this other stuff. Yeah. Sometimes when people leave your life, it's the universe doing you a solid. It's not like not everything has to be interpreted as a loss. Like it can be interpreted as a gain. You don't know where that was going. It's like, you know, I think a lot of times we want to predict where something is going to be and at what time. And that's the worst habit to get into because you don't know if that thing was going to be good for you in the long run. You don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe maybe life's helping you out. You just, you have to look at whatever is like happening to you as it it could be a positive. I mean, there's always going to be a negative, but there could also be a positive. You know, I think you have to start thinking about that possibility also, or not you, but just people in general. I mean, no, me, no, me. That's what I try to do. You know, I'm like, well, I don't, but like, for sure, I haven't always been like this. Yeah, for sure. Like in the beginning, I did get more disappointed when something didn't happen for me. Like for sure. Like, but, and it doesn't mean I don't get disappointed now, Um, but I just move on faster. Mm, yeah. You know, that's the difference. I don't like ruminate about it for as long. I'm just like, I kind of like, it hurts, it stings. And then I'm just like on to the next. Yeah. You mentioned before, like you have it, you've had experience with like having doors shut when you wanted them to open what did you do like in those moments to well either like in real time what did you do to like not sit in that feeling um of like disappointment for a long time and then also how did you cultivate this like just now you were like well yeah I'm I'm disappointed but it doesn't last as long as it used to like what do you do like short term and long term to deal with that feeling well I think short term you know I just First of all, I took it as a sign, maybe as maybe a sign, a sign of the character of that person, or maybe I just didn't read the situation. Maybe it was something I did. Maybe I'm responsible for a little bit of what happened. I don't know. You know, it's just important to take everything into account, but, you know, obviously not let that discourage me from pursuing that with somebody else or pursuing that opportunity at another time, or just trying to like visualize that, that thing that I want. I don't know. There was this book, there is this book called uh the silva mind control method it's a really short book that book changed my life i don't want to go too much into that book but honestly a lot of the way that i think and approach the world is that book really helped me like dial that in what's that but what just in summary what is that book about like okay in a nutshell so it was this guy he was an electrician um and um he basically studied energy you know and like basically the brain it works on the alpha, beta, theta, and delta waves. And the beta wave is kind of like what we know as normal consciousness. And the theta wave, it's when we're our most lucid. It's what we experience 20 minutes after we go to sleep and 20 minutes before we wake up. And, you know, energy um, 
is the most free flowing when there's nothing acting against it. And our minds are energy. So people, you know, constantly have things acting against their energy in their mind. And um, I, I never thought about the mind in this way, you know, and he was always like, you know, anything that happens in the physical world first happens in your mind. It's like you're thirsty. So you go get a glass of water. It's like you have to kind of visualize um, everything that you want because, you know, what you visualize, you will bring yourself towards. And it's kind of like having an image in your mind and just moving it from the right to the left or maybe the left to the right. Anyways, it's about having images in your mind and moving them and just going through them and like really clearing out the head trash that you have in your mind. And uh, this this individual, he was the first person who like did this experiment with um i think cancer patients where he he had a group where they thought positively about their outcome and they actually healed they actually were cured more than the group that didn't think positively about their outcome and it's funny cuz you know there was that book the secret which became very popular it was really just a reinterpretation of this book that was written i don't know in like the 40s or 50s I, it was written so long ago and that book was just kind of dressed up a little bit and resold to people but he actually had the science behind it but you know up until that time i never really thought about living in this way where like you could actually visualize something um, consistently and bring yourself toward it and really identify the trash that you have in your head that's preventing you from accomplishing what you want to accomplish and just moving it out of the way, you know? Um, and so I'm sorry, that was kind of like a, a tangent, but um, no. Think, yeah. So thinking about like having this like short-term failure or yeah. this long-term failure, it really wasn't about seeing those things as failures, but just like things that were, in my field of view that I wanted to like either, you know, push away, like push out of the, push out of my view or bring myself towards. Yeah. But like, I feel like that's so hard. Maybe it just takes practice because I feel like once you, once your brain creates the neural pathway of like negative self-talk or whatever version of that you want to want to say, like, it's hard to then change it to be like, oh, well, let's just, I like the term head trash. I think that's very fun. Um, let's just like call this head trash and push it out of the way and like reframe. It's like almost like kind of reframing your thoughts too. But like that shit's hard. I feel like it, you just have to practice it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, there's also like a lot of lessons you have to, I mean, yeah, you do have to practice. You do have to reframe. But also, you know, there's a lot of lessons I learned along the way that I just keep in the back of my mind. Like, you know, one is you're going to have your biggest opportunities on days when you feel the worst and you're going to feel terrible. You're going to feel like at your best and then not have an opportunity. You can't, it, it's very rarely, it's very rare that all of these things align. Like you're feeling great, like you're having a good day and then you have a huge opportunity. It's like, it never happens that, like it's rarely happened that way for me. It's usually like, I've been, oh, I just stopped by somewhere and met a person who changed my life in line for the bathroom. Like, it's yeah. it's, it's not like, I'm ready, I'm dressed up, like, I, I feel good about myself. It's like, no, like, you know, that's the hard, the hardest part, I think, is to always be, like, on point, you know? And my friend, he had this quote, it was like, if you're not on point, then what's the point? I like, I love that quote, because you do have to stay in that state of mind, even when you're not in that state of mind. That is the hardest tightrope to kind of be on all the time is to just always kind of like be in that state of like, I want to make something happen when you don't want to make anything happen. I don't know. I, I still struggle with that a lot. Like where I'm like, okay, I have to like get everything together, go out, entertain. Cause I can't just like go out and just sit against the wall with my hands in my pockets. It's like, that's not, that's not the person that I want to like show to people. Mm. That's not the person I, I am. So I do have to like, just like when you get on stage, like you have to perform, like you, people are, are there for that. They're not there to see you like be depressed or sullen or like whatever, like you have to like get into character, you know, yep. and going out is part of that too, because people are going to come up to you and you're going to have a lot of small talk. You don't really want to have, and you're going to be asked how, how you are by 10 different people. And it's exhausting, you know? And it's like, you have to make that fun for yourself. You have to make that positive for yourself. Um, and you always have to be on. And I mean, that is something, like I said, that no matter how much I go out and how often I go out, it's still a thing that is, it's, it's a grind, you know, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's, that's what I have a hard time with is like always being on when yeah. I'm out. It's so hard and I get so exhausted, but I'm like a major introvert to where like I, I have to recharge alone. Um, but yeah, that's, it's to be on 
and then I see people, other people that are like, like really on and like, I'm like, how are you so good at that? But also I don't know what you're doing behind the scenes to like recharge yourself, but yeah. I always get, feel like I, oh, I wish I could have a little more of like that extrovert quality. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't know. What do you do? Is it hard for you to like be alone? Because I, I have a lot of friends who are, are major extroverts and when they're alone and have nothing to do, they're like lose their fucking shit. So I'm curious about how you deal with being alone. No, I mean, I definitely, I think, I think, okay, the bigger absence or the bigger deficit was like, there's nothing for me to do. Like just the thought of things to do gave me comfort. Not even that I wanted or needed to do them, right? But mm-hmm. like during the pandemic, there was like nothing to do really. I mean, so I had to take simple, I did take pleasure in simple things like tea, reading books at the park, like, just, you know, going on a lot of walks. Like, I think I walked three and a half miles a day every day during the pandemic. It was just, I had to find new things and put them in my routine. But it, but being, being alone was never a thing that really was the thing that was hard for me. I actually enjoy being alone. And like last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was mostly alone. Like I, I, I knew I was going to go out, but I, I feel like that wasn't hard for me to be alone. And because people ask me, like, can you ever not, do you ever just stay home? Like, can you not go out? Like, is it a problem for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could like stay home a, like a lot if I wanted to. I just, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, a musician, right? Okay, like a musician, if they have to be writing or rehearsing and going out for them is kind of a distraction from rehearsing or writing. And for me, like, I feel like staying home is a waste of my time in the same way that a musician, if they weren't trying to like work on their craft would be a waste of their time. So for me, like going out, it's kind of like my performance, you know, being um, that person who's like a man about town and being somebody who's like in the know about things or whatever, or who has all these relationships. It's like my performance is being out. It is being at shows. It is supporting bands and like talking to people. And I mean, I even had people recently who, just didn't go out a lot during the pandemic or like, oh, I know that if I go out, you're going to be there. You're like a beacon of at least there's somebody that I know. There's somebody that I can go out and run into. And I feel like that comforts people to feel like the scene hasn't changed so much that there's nobody they know that goes out anymore. It's like, I've been going out in LA for like, you know, I think 13 years. Some people say 15. I don't know. I'm not going to argue it, but. (laughs) I like how it's mythology at this point. Some people say 15, some people say 13. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm not going to, well, that's a pointless argument, but anyways, uh, yeah, like I have to just go out. I, I feel like, um, if you're not like, if you, you have to be out so that things can happen to you. Like if you're not out, then nothing's going to happen to you. Like if you're just home, you're like in a waiting room. I know. Welcome you to my know? fucking life. I'm really trying. I feel like this is the first year that I've really like started going out and uh, you're 1,000 million percent right about that. I, I think it was really hard for me to come to terms because I was always like, no, if you're good, you'll get work. And it's like, mm, no, honey, that's not always the case. Like you, there's like some luck. There's some like right place, right time. There's some who you know. It's all connected. Yeah, it's all people just, a lot of it's people seeing you out a lot and becoming familiar with you. And like, I've had so many people approach me and just be like, oh, I've seen you everywhere. I wanted to introduce myself. And a lot of times people, like I was at Echo Park Rising for like 12 hours and there were so many people who I didn't have a, you know, like a solid memory of who like waved to me and came up and said hi to me. And I'm like, that's so cool that, that I made it an impact on them to where they wanted to like come and say hi to me and connect with me in here. Like, cause I, I would, I wouldn't have recognized them in the same way, but I feel like when you go out a lot and you're known for that, it's like, it's what happens, especially because like I said, like when I'm out, I'm usually focused on what I'm seeing. I'm not focused on meeting every single person and remembering their names. And a lot of times you meet somebody, it's like, somebody will say, Oh, do you know my friend so-and-so and And you meet them and it's loud and you don't remember their name or you've never even had a meaningful connection to even have them lodge in your memory bank. Like you can't, you know, your brain can only do so much, especially environments where there's just a lot of stimuli. So, you know, you just kind of have to give yourself a break in that sense. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do like, obviously, no people know me from from just being out and going out it's like you know it's kind of like this weird brand that i've created for myself but it wasn't the brand that i was out to create for myself right it was just the brand that people created of me but i'm like 
well, whatever, you know, it's not a bad thing to be known for. Like, no, out supporting art, meeting people and having all these different relationships. I mean, that's also the hardest part because I know so many people who are performing on the same night and it's not that their show's not good enough or it's not going to be lit or I don't. It's just that I literally am seeing somebody else that I also have known for two years and have never seen. Yeah. It's never like, oh, sorry, I can't come because I'm sitting at my house. It's usually like I can't come because I'm doing something else. Yep, totally. That's one thing that like I really do love about Los Angeles that we that you don't really see in at least other like smaller cities is like uh you can go out any night and see great art in some way shape or form uh do you think you'll be in LA for the foreseeable future or um yeah I mean I I think so I just think the way that my brain's wired LA is just a very interesting place for me because it's always changing and there's always like new people. I kind of see it as like this resort island that like a ship is just constantly bringing people to <laughs> yeah. people away. And so there's always like new people to meet. There's always some new scenes springing up. And even if it's not popular, like there is something beautiful about it. It really doesn't matter. Like if you want to go to what's popular and be part of the scene, you can, it's, it's up to you. Like, I'm kind of like, what mood am I in? That kind of determines what I want to go see. And, um, spend time at but um a lot of times like what i choose is more relationship driven and i don't think i'll ever actually la is one of the only things i've never gotten tired of like i i've kind of lost interest with so many things but i feel like within la like it's like you have this overall scene of kind of going out but then within that you have all these side quests of like pursuing photography or acting or like comedy or like blogging or booking shows or curating it's like there's so many things to do it's like russian dolls like there's so many things to do within the things mm. like you know and so, you know, I've done a fair share of traveling, you know, I'm lucky, but I, I kind of feel like I would always, no matter what, I would always want to go live in cities where there was just way too much art to consume, where I could literally just do that all the time and not think about anything else, because that's just the way my brain is. Yeah. You know, I just constantly want to be like immersed in things that people are, people are creating. Totally. Is there something that like you're working on right now on a personal level, not like um project wise, but just like introspection wise like I for instance am working really hard on like go being able to like go out without feeling self-conscious or um feeling like I can still be my authentic self and also network at the same time um is there like some is there like a personal thing that you're working on right now about yourself well I've been like I mean especially with the SAG strike um I've been applying to just different social work jobs and I've been interviewing a lot with like, you know, the county for different social work jobs. Cool. Seeing if it's something I'd be interested in or if I'd want to do. I mean, cause I, it was like my, my life split into these two branches of like, you know, art, entertainment, culture, or like social work. I was a children's social worker for LA County for seven months. Um, but then it took, I realized I wanted to, it was too soon. I wanted to get back to art. Um, and so, but I'm in a phase now where it's like, I've kind of done acting wise, everything that I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I never like wanted to be an actor. I kind of got pushed into it by my manager, which I'm so thankful of because I've done things that were like way beyond my wildest dreams. But I'm also at the point now where I'm like, I, I feel like I've kind of done enough in that area. Like I'm down to do more. Like I love it, but also like I could do something else. And I feel like I'm somebody who's always taking chances because even though I like open the door, doesn't mean I have to walk through it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I just want to see what that door is going to bring. It's not about start it, stopping it before it even starts. So I've been interviewing for like a handful of jobs. And, you know, maybe maybe I will take one of those jobs. Maybe I will stop acting unless I get some life-changing acting job come through. But it, it really just, yeah, I'm somebody who I definitely feel like I'm always doing a lot of work, but I'm always doing work in the in the in the way in the sense of like my curiosity it's like what if i do this like what if i do that like what if i pursue this path i mean it's definitely been a gift and a curse and it's why i'm in the position that i'm in now because my curiosity has put me in this position i feel like also my curiosity is the one quality that makes me engage and want to cultivate and engage with the community because i'm always like who's that person like what do they do like yeah they sound like what you know like i it's just all curiosity with me like all the time like when i meet somebody it's mostly out of curiosity it's not because i have some other intention in mind you mm -hmm. know um, but i feel like that's how i am too like outside of the scene and outside of la it's like i am curious about pursuing other career paths um but you know this, this 
the scene and going out. So like such a rewarding part of my life. And it gives so much back to me all the time. It's really hard to like, think that I would choose a path that would like keep me away from it. Yeah. Because I, I feel like I don't know, like I've done so much work in the scene and I've cultivated so much community and I have so many relationships and everything. And I really don't like, I, I really don't know if I took a job that took me away from everything. If, if I would feel like that would have been a good choice. It's like, but at the same time, like I wouldn't know until I tried. Right. You know, and, and that's that was the, that's the curiosity. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like to remember, like you can try something and then be like, Never mind, that's not for me and go back to doing like the other thing. I feel like a lot of times we think like once we start in one thing, like that's what we're going to do for the rest of our life. This relationship's going to be the one for the rest of my life. This job's going to be the one for the rest of my life, but like there is more flexibility in life than that, you know. Yeah, I think pursuing art too, you know, you have a lot of flexibility because it's like you're you could you know, you're a comedian, you do a podcast, you like host these shows at UCB. It's like you could be in other people's shows. Like you have so many options like versus Oh, you're an accountant. It's like you're just an accountant. Like that's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lot of people, they I think they really they wish they were artists or they wish they pursued art. But like not every I think everybody is an artist, but like everybody has some artistic inclination, but only like some people really pursue that, like beyond yeah. a career or anything else they or devote themselves to it. Um and and I feel like, you know, you kind of get used to that, like, oh, I could there's so many things I could do with an art versus doing this one thing that's so limiting. And I feel like that's what's kept me out of a one career is because I would have felt like just I, like in my mind, I'd be looking out the window at all these other things I could go do or that I'm missing out on. Cause like we only have this one life. Yep. Yeah. The thing also I was talking about this the other day is like to be an artist is like so, such a specific skill set because, well, I guess I'm, when I say artist, like a live, I was talking about live performance specifically because like you have to have, a big enough ego to go on stage in front of a big group of people and and uh, believe that you're going to be able to entertain them. But then when you get off stage, you have to put that away and go back to being a normal person who doesn't have this personality that 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 uh, needs all the attention all the time. You know, like I feel like it's such a hard thing to balance. Yeah, I think, you know, and that's. <laughs> This might sound crazy, but it's like, that's the reason I'm so captivated and fascinated with artists and musicians because they do take that risk to get on stage and don't know if five people are going to show up or 40 people. And that takes a lot more than people realize. Yeah. And, um, I'm so opposite of that. And I think that's why I love it so much because like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like I could, I don't know if that's me, but I want to support you doing it. Like, and I become a person who like will do everything I can to support that person that's doing that while also being completely opposite that myself yeah and I think that was the hardest part for me in acting was just like having 70 people all looking at me doing one thing because for some people that's their dream and for me that was the thing that I most like wanted to avoid and it wasn't even like an insecurity thing. It's just like an, more of an ego thing. Like, I don't want to do anything where this many people are watching me do one thing. But I'm 100% down to help you do that thing or put you in a place where you can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I still don't know why. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is about me that that is so into that. But um, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I go to so many shows and, and you know, blog and stuff. Because I like want to do all I can personally to like support these people who are getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I was driving to do a show and I was just like, man, what? That's so crazy. Because like once I get to a show, if I'm like performing in a show, like once I get there, I'm like zoned. Like I'm I'm I, at this point, I've done it so many times. It's like you become like a professional at turning it, turning your ego like on to do yeah. the show and then turning it back off when you get off. Like because when the moment I step on a stage, my nerves are like gone. I get nervous on like the drive to do a show. Um, but then as soon as I'm on stage, it's so interesting. They're gone and I don't even remember that I was nervous anymore. It's such an interesting, weird paradox. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to ask one more question that I usually ask um, in episodes. And it's if someone out there is experiencing a low point in their life right now or a low season or a challenge, um, is there a piece of advice that you could give to them? Yeah, I think that just reconnect with something that brings you joy. I mean, even if it was when you were a kid, it could be something small, like 
I don't know, going to get ice cream. I don't know. It could just be anything. You know, I feel like you have to kind of reconnect with things that make you happy. Um, and then you'll move, hopefully move toward that happiness, whatever it is, like video games, going to concerts, like writing, it does like whatever it is. I, I just don't feel like enough people spend time doing things that they just intrinsically love or connect with. Um, and I think that will kind of remind you. It's like sometimes when I was, you know, when the pandemic was ending and I was having, I was starting to go out again, you know, I think the hardest thing was like, for the longest time, I was just in this rhythm of constantly going out. And then, then I became in a rhythm of staying home. And it's like, I didn't even enjoy staying home, but it was so hard for me to get back to going out consistently. And that was a really weird um, experience for me. And so I had to go out again and like, just keep pushing to remind myself of why I was like that in the first place. And then I kind of found it again, but it like took me a minute. And so I really empathize with people who are, who don't go out that much or who struggle to go out because I'm like, I went out more than anybody and I struggled to get back to the level that I was at. I thought I like lost it during the pandemic, but what I lost was my connection to what I enjoyed. I didn't lose the ability or the energy or the love. It wasn't any of that. It was just the, it was, it was just, I lost the memory of why I was, you know, and then I, you know, I, I had other questions like, wow, I can't believe I went out. I've been going out for this long. Like, what was that, you know, what was that about? Cause I even forgot about that memory. It was just so strange. So I had to like go back to remember what, what I did it all for. Oh, that's so true. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. And it was, it was really great getting to know you more. And you seem like you're such a well-balanced person. And uh, I took I took a lot of really good pointers from this episode. But most of all, it, I took away like this idea of not being attached, not doing something for the outcome, but doing it for the love of it instead. And I think that's such a simple concept that we often forget. So thank you for reigniting that in me oh thank you i'm glad I, i'm glad i could thanks for listening to this episode of how the fuck did you bounce back i'm rebecca lee and if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to leave a review a comment like it subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you're listening to this right now and remember new episodes every thursday take good care of yourself mm-hmm.